Well, hello there, everybody. How are you doing today? Long time no podcast, huh? Sorry about that. Kind of enjoying a little bit of time off, a little bit of vacation time with my spouse. And um, it's been kind of nice, you know, getting as much sleep as I can possibly want. You know, it's a, a luxury, really. Uh, oh, how life changes when you just get enough sleep every night. And uh, it's been a couple of weeks now of that. So it's been uh, just so pleasant. What can I say? Anyway, so yeah, it's true. I have been shirking my podcast duties over the past couple of weeks. But, you know, I'm sure you understand. And I don't know, I guess it's one of those things, you know, When you do a podcast, uh, it's suggested, you know, by the various platforms that you can release your podcast on, that you try to be as consistent as possible, you know, with your podcast. And, uh, you know, that's not always uh, the most convenient thing for me. (laughs) So, you know, I apologize for that, but I kind of honestly feel like... um, that my audience kind of understands that, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the podcasts that I have released have not been forced, you know, I don't have to release one, you know, every Tuesday or something. I kind of, I'm keeping it real, you know, like when I feel like I have something I want to talk about, I'll go ahead and make a podcast, you know, and, uh, so far so good, right? I don't think it's such a big deal, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, so over the past couple years or so, I've been watching and listening to a lot of like the Joe Rogan podcast and listening to a lot of, um, you know, different comedians, you know, talking about their careers as stand up comics and it kind of gave me the idea of this podcast that I'm going to give you today because there's been this weird kind of strange trend in the United States lately, probably over the past year or two, um, of this strange kind of uh, wave, I guess I would call it, of uh, censorship. You know, there seems to be uh, an active, you know, silencing of uh, people who have challenging ideas or, you know, challenging opinions, you know, things that are not popular or things that people like, you know, or at least a certain portion of the population like do not want to hear, you know. This whole idea of speech and compelled speech and the arguments that come up and the, you know, like I said, the censorship and the reaction from people like Antifa and all that kind of stuff. It's like we live in this really strange time, at least here in America, where there is like this uh, wave of censorship and Honestly, you know, I do kind of think of this stuff on my own, okay? I mean, you know, I I am a critical thinker, so, you know, I pay attention to, 
you know, what's happening in the zeitgeist and, you know, the, the spirit of the times and what kind of things are being discussed and what's front and center, right? And like I was saying, it's through things like the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, because he's a stand-up comic. He has a lot of comedians on his show. And I've never been the kind of person who would, you know, pay to go see a comedy show in a club or something. I've never done that. Um, and not that I'm really against it or something. I like comedy, but it just was never something that was very important to me. But I realize now, after having listened to the Joe Rogan podcast for a while and his interviews with various comedians and stuff, you know, his friends that he invites onto his show, that, you know, what stand-up comedy is, really, is actually something very important to culture. And I never really saw it that way, but I am starting to now that it's really not about being funny, really. It's about freedom of speech. That's what comedy is really about, I think. And freedom of speech is not something that can be taken lightly or disregarded readily. You know, you have to think about that. I guess I do, right? I have to think about that. We have to think about that. Um, that what these comedians are doing a lot of the time is kind of pushing the limits and pushing the boundaries of what is socially acceptable to say. And that's a pretty important thing. You know, it's uh, when you, you know, think about the history, at least in the United States of, you know, famous comedians, almost all of them were really famous because they had in one way or another, you know, challenged the public. And of course, it's all woven in this tapestry of laughter and humor and, you know, kind of like uh, holding up a mirror to society sometimes and, you know, getting a good laugh out of it and pointing out the faults and the flaws of human beings, right? But it's a, that's not something that should be taken lightly. You know, it's, uh, it's a very important exercise in freedom of speech. And now, you know, we live in a time, at least according to these famous comedians, you know, we're living in a time where what they are allowed to say is slowly being like narrowed down, like slowly their right to speak openly and freely in the public sphere, like on a stage in a comedy club or whatever, is being very, very slowly eroded and diminished. And it's happening very gradually, but it's still happening. And I can't help but think about that and what that actually means. Because when you go back in history, especially to the early to mid-1930s, when the Nazi party was starting to get a foothold in Europe, um, one of the first things they did when they were shutting down the society, okay, let's say, when they were putting the clamp down on, you know, 
what what up until that point had been considered normal social existence okay one of the first groups that they went after were intellectuals first the educators the artists you know the performers the comedians uh, the music you know this was the first wave of that shutdown you know and you know i learned that a long time ago and i've always kind of remembered it because you know i am a musician and artist uh, you know what an intellectual or you know whatever you want to say i mean i do you know work and trade in that realm you know so um i always kind of remembered it right never imagining for a second that it would ever be something that i would really have to be concerned about here in the united states but through the passing of time you know here we are at this stage in our democracy and in our republic where you know dissent you know is being shut down um you know you go on to youtube and you find any topic that's controversial in the united states right now like you know the sandy hook shootings or you know the flat earth movement <clears throat> you know things that are you know maybe conspiratorial you know, challenging then you know the 911 attacks you know is it a conspiracy was it an inside job and uh, the moon landings you know were they real were they fake and what you see now you know uh, thanks to google and you know youtube are these wikipedia definitions attached to these videos that may be you know on the fringe you know conspiratorial or whatever um there's like this insistence that there is a truth to this and here is the truth and then this video you're about to watch is not that you know it's not true it's uh a figment of someone's overactive imagination or something. And it doesn't seem like a very big deal. In fact, now it's kind of like something that I kind of giggle about or laugh about when I see it. Like, oh, brother, that's so ridiculous. But I think it's a little bit more serious than that. I think that what we're seeing is a gradual, systematic shutdown of dissent, controlled speech, in the United States, like what you cannot say and what you can say. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on. It does not matter. Uh, it affects everybody the same way. And I don't know. It causes me to worry a little bit for the future of the First Amendment in the United States. Now, when you really think about it, the framers of the United States Constitution must have felt very strongly about freedom of expression and freedom of speech because they made it the first amendment of the Constitution. They made it the first point that they wanted to address when they were putting together the ideas of this new country they wanted to start, this new experiment called America. And um, what does that mean? You know, stop for a moment and consider, like, 
why that must have been the case. Like you had this group of individuals that were coming together to form a new government, okay, a new republic, a new democracy. And the first thing on the list was the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression. That was what they wanted to address first. So think about that, you know, like what had they endured in the past that made that such a priority to them, you know? And isn't it strange, isn't it odd that we are living in a time when that very right, that very important right is being challenged? I don't know. It has probably very serious implications for all people, not just in America, but for all democracies or republics all over the world, all societies, all cultures, when you are not free to express your opinion or, uh, you know, a redress of your grievances or anything like that when you're being shut down. And it's different now than it has been in the past because we're not talking about, you know, some union leader who was standing up in front of a group of steel workers and expressing his opinion and being shut down or something or, you know, anything like that. We're talking about just normal, average, everyday people who are making content for YouTube or Twitter or uh, Snapchat or any of those things being shut down, being removed from the platform, you know, because of things that they said. And uh, I don't know. Uh, it speaks a lot to the future, I think, at least the, the near future, um, about where we're headed and like what kind of uh, issues we're going to have to struggle against you know, in the near future. But I do think that in the long run, um, that the right to speak openly and freely will be returned back. I do think so. I think it will be returned back to its original state eventually. It may take a while and there may be a lot of, you know, turmoil and controversy, you know, between that time and now. But I think it will eventually come back to its original form. But in the meantime, you know, we have to kind of, well, one, observe, you know, we observe what's happening, um, especially on the Internet. You know, it's a way for everybody to be connected and for everybody to read, you know, things and hear things and see things like in the common space, you know, the Internet you know, as of now, at least for the time being, is a common space. It's a public space. So, and I don't know about you, okay, but for me, one of the best things about the internet, and there's not too many great things, but one of the best things about the internet in general, and, you know, certain platforms, I guess, okay, Facebook, YouTube, uh, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, all those things, Twitter, you know, is that um, we do have access to several different opinions or several different ideas. And that's a really 
fantastic thing. I mean, we may look back on this time and go, wow, we really did have it good for a while there until they started putting the clamp down on, you know, various individuals or whatever. Um, it's a pretty important issue right now. So it brings us to this idea of censorship, you know, and the role that censorship plays in society. And, you know, I've spoken on this issue before in the past, you know, that episode, Custody of the Senses, where I was kind of talking about self-censorship, you know, like the responsibility that at least I feel I have toward you, you know, so I don't need somebody to tell me what I should or should not say. I like to think anyway that I'm a pretty good judge of that myself. And, you know, I should be old enough and mature enough to get there on my own, you know, especially if I have any real respect for you, okay, and what I'm expressing to you, what you're taking in into your ears and into your mind, you know, through my mouth and what I'm saying, right? But now we're talking about something else, you know, and it's really... um, at least as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of really playing out in a very obvious way right now. I don't know if it's because we're like really just pre-elections here in the United States. And as you may or may not know, you know, the political climate in the United States is so outrageous right now that it's kind of hard to believe sometimes that things are the way they are in the United States right now. I mean, it is really a very different country than it was when I was growing up. And I can honestly say I was never really the kind of person who paid too much attention to politics, but there's no denying it now. I mean, it's really a strange time. And uh, these flags that are appearing on YouTube videos now, these Wikipedia definitions, you know, Um, are just like a a small first step, you know. And, uh, of course, there's, you know, story after story of different YouTube content creators being removed from YouTube, you know, being shut down. Um, Google searches are being, you know, impaired for certain people. Um, In some cases, different content creators are really kind of losing you know, empires that they have built around their YouTube channel and around their social media presence. You know, um, there's people who make a living off that stuff and they're losing their ability to make a living simply because of something that they've said or done. And uh, let's pause for a moment and think about that. Now, along with this idea of, you know, censorship on YouTube and Google or whatever, you know, certain individuals being omitted, you know, from the club, you know, certain people who are not allowed to participate anymore, you know, because of something they said. Um, At the same time, we have the situation where there's kind of like the, at least as far as I can tell, like the decimation Uh, the almost complete and total destruction of the American press, you know, the news, the newspapers, the magazines, 
the sources for information about current events and things like that. I mean, there's so much confusion now. Um, and I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, fake news and, you know, this is real and this is fake. I don't really have a way of knowing you know, what is real and what is fake. I mean, maybe we never really have. Okay. Got to concede to that. Maybe it's not a new thing. It's just, it's always been this way, but, um, you know, I just wasn't aware of it or something. Okay. That's possible. But I see now, um, you know, this scenario where the American press is being so chopped up and, uh, you know, misquoting and no reliable sources for information. So nobody really knows what's really going on. You know, it's very difficult to discern what is true and what is false. And I suppose like, you know, what I do is I'll take as much information as I can in, you know, about a specific issue and then kind of weigh out all the different opinions or whatever and try to figure out, you know, at least in my best estimation, what's probably really going on. But it's almost impossible to do most of the time. So, um, so I wanted to talk about, you know, in lieu of all this information that I just gave you, the things I was talking about, censorship and all that, you know, it brings me to this other issue. Now, I've talked about this issue before, and what I'm talking about is the issue of the flat Earth. Okay, whether the Earth is flat or the Earth is a sphere. Okay, and I understand that people don't really want to, you know, even think about that or talk about that, I guess. You know, it's like it's so out there, it's so ridiculous, right? Well, today I want to talk about the Flat Earth Movement, but not whether it's real or not, not about whether the Earth is flat or sphere-shaped, but what I do want to talk about is what people probably don't realize about this quote-unquote Flat Earth Movement, okay, is how rapidly it's growing, okay? So I don't want to talk about the politics of it. I don't want to talk about the science of it because I really have to kind of try to remain neutral on an issue like that, you know, things like that that come up because I want to be able to talk about it openly and honestly. And if I'm going to do that, or at least try to do that, I'm going to have to try to remain neutral, you know, and listen to both sides of the arguments or whatever and all that. But uh, it's really kind of amazing to me to watch because I pay attention to the flat earth movement and what it means because I see it as a very serious issue, not because the earth might be flat or sphere shaped, but because the questions are being asked, you know? And it's interesting to me because I see a lot of the time these flat earthers are posing questions to credible scientists that are kind of knocking them back on their heels a little bit. They don't really know how to deal with it or really how to answer it. So yeah, now a couple years in 
to the flat earth movement and its existence or whatever, you have, you know, a handful of scientists that are just now, you know, responding with, you know, uh, challenges or, you know, proof or whatever to their belief that the earth is a sphere, right? But what is more interesting to me is just how fast and how widespread the growth is of the flat earth movement. I mean, we all as a culture on this planet have to pause for a moment and just think about that. I don't think a lot of people are really aware of it because it's kind of, you know, information that is concealed for the most part. You don't really see a lot of it or hear a lot of it really because, you know, Google and YouTube are actively trying to shut this thing down. Okay. And, you know, their intentions may be good or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a spectator in all this. You know, I don't have any real information or anything, but I do see what I see and I come to conclusions that I come to. And I can tell you, um, you know, I saw a documentary film, a recently made documentary film about the Flat Earth movement and the current state of that movement. And I was shocked a little bit to see their statistics and their numbers and growth and the number of people on the planet. A lot of them are probably people that you know that are starting to kind of reconsider this idea of a globe-shaped Earth. And as hard as that is to believe, it's the truth, you know. But what's even more interesting, I guess, another layer or another aspect to this is that because the idea of a flat earth is so frowned upon and so, you know, poo-pooed by so many people, right? Disregarded as complete and total BS, like ridiculous, you know, ridiculous, silly ideas. Um, <laughs> their numbers are growing. <laughs> it's like a wave. We live in a time when that is happening. I guess that's my point today. You know, is that, you know, we do have to deal with this idea of like censorship and all that kind of control over what is talked about, what is allowed to be talked about. And in lieu of all of that, you know, regardless of how much effort Google and uh, YouTube are putting into silencing the flat earth movement, it's still growing exponentially. And the people who are starting to believe, you know, the converts to the flat earth movement are kind of afraid to talk about it. So there's a very great likelihood that, you know, people that believe the earth is flat. Okay. Or at least are starting to doubt the information they've been given about a spherical globe earth, you know, but they're not going to talk to you about it because they know that you are not going to agree with them or you're going to ridicule them or you're going to ostracize them. Right. And this is happening. This is truly happening with people. I mean, just in my own personal experience, just having mentioned the flat earth movement in that episode I did a while back, um, I think it was one of my thought experiments or something. You know, the reaction that I got from people was one of just total disbelief. Like, no, this is not real. But I was not saying I thought it was real. I was just bringing it up. 
kind of like I'm doing today. You know, I'm just talking about it, you know. But um, like I said, it's not so important to me anymore. Like whether people I know or something uh, are willing to at least consider the idea of the Earth actually not being a globe, not being a sphere, right? But um, what is important to me is the idea that this issue is now on the table and you have this culture of scientists like I said who are kind of being challenged on their beliefs for the first time really you know collectively you know the, not just one specific guy with one specific idea but the whole institution of scientists you know the the, the institution of science on planet earth you know uh, is under attack and these these scientists find themselves having to defend their position for the first time. Um, it's really quite something to consider when you really think about it, you know. And, you know, I guess, you know, I'm the kind of person who sees the connection between, I guess now, you know, stand-up comedy you know, the right to express yourself in the public space, um, you know, and the right to express your belief of whether the earth is flat or not, you know, um, because as far as I'm concerned, we should all be free to at least speak about things openly and investigate ideas. I think that's more important than any one issue, you know. Um, it's a sign of the times, I guess, uh, and a worrisome one at that, but it also has that whiff to me, you know, knowing my history, knowing the history of World War II a little bit, you know, there's this whiff of fascism and that's the word, you know, and it's, uh, blowing through America right now, this weird kind of spirit of fascism that I can recognize, you know, and I can actually see it now playing out. And that makes me worry uh, about where we're headed in America. It really does. And I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I've expressed that before. I voted for neither candidate in the last election. Um, I'm not interested in politics really anymore. It's really more about the social consequences of things and I guess the changes that I'm watching take place. I'm not sure what they mean. I'm not sure where it's headed, but it sure does seem a lot like the very beginnings of, you know, early Germany, 1935, you know, like what was going on before World War II? What was going on before Hitler came into power? What was going on before all of that change came? And folks, let me tell you, doesn't bode very well for guys like me. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm on the I'm on the first list of people probably to go down, you know, when uh, that wave of fascism really starts to get a foothold here in America. Uh, you know, it, it probably won't uh, work out very well for me. So, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, you know, it's, it's really not funny, but I don't know. Yeah. 
pray for me. <laughs> Especially when that hour comes, because uh, by all indications, as far as I can tell, here in America, we're on the fast track to some major change, a major shift. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's fascism. I'm not sure what you'd want to call it, but I'll tell you, I can feel it coming. There is definitely change coming in the United States. And uh, uh, maybe not all bad. Maybe some of it is good. But uh, I don't know. It's a sign of the times. It's the times we live in. Um, when you see the First Amendment, you know, being challenged uh, and being kind of systematically dismantled by the powers that be, or you know, or by people who do have their finger on the pulse of you know social communication, you know, social media, you know, um, whoa, what's really going on? What does this mean? Nobody really knows now, do we? We don't know the future, but pay attention, folks. I have a feeling the next couple years are going to be really interesting. And I can say this, like just in case you doubt, um, you know, the, the information I shared with you about the Flat Earth movement really starting to grow, look into it yourself and you'll see what I mean. Especially, okay, especially there's this guy, his name is Mark Sargent, Mark Sargent, and he releases videos about the flat earth. He's one of the first, he was like a pioneer in the modern flat earth movement. And he's kind of, I guess, seen right now as like, you know, the guru, the leader of that movement, him and maybe a handful of other people, but really him, you know, and uh, I gotta say, his flat earth videos on YouTube are actually pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not so far out when you, when you watch a couple of his videos, you can kind of get why people would be latching on to this idea as much as they are right now. So maybe when you're bored or something, do yourself a favor and watch a couple of his videos and you'll see. But even if you just typed in something like the flat earth movement is growing, you know, type that into Google and you'll see it's really strange. It's, you know, where it'll be in five years. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. It may be to the point, like in five years, would I be surprised if um, they were actually starting to change textbooks in schools? about, uh, you know, whether the earth is a sphere or not, or globe. I don't know. Possibly, quite possibly at the rate that that movement is growing. I wouldn't really be surprised if by, let's say the year 2025, you know, children are no longer being taught that the earth is definitely a globe or a sphere. And you may laugh at me when I say that, but like I said, get into it yourself. You'll find out, you'll see. It's really a phenomenon. It's really kind of amazing. And it's also, like I said, a sign of the times and this time of confusion. And, uh, you know, there's no real way to know what's true and what's false. It's all very confusing and it's designed to be that way, you know, unfortunately. <sighs> so, you know, I've been talking for a little while here 
I'll probably go right ahead and leave it here for today. But uh, you'll be hearing from me again very soon, I promise. Um, vacation time is over, I think. And, uh, oh, it's been wonderful. Just getting all the sleep I need. I can't express it enough. But anyway, um, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.